Hello, wonderful humans. Welcome back to the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Nerd Talk, my guest is Mark Sharafinsky Jr., who is a foot nerd from the United States. Mark's been on the podcast before, and on this episode, we talk about why we feel natural footwear is a superior alternative for runners, including those who are logging some serious mileage. We discuss footwear as a utilitarian foot protection. We talk about why eliminating footwear technology allows you to tap into the body's natural technologies. We cover heel striking. And we also finish with talking about Mark's upcoming footwear reviews that he's going to be creating for TFC app. Really enjoyed the conversation with Mark, and I hope you find the conversation useful. This episode of the show is brought to you by our first footwear product released at TFC called the FC 0.5. Our aim was to create a piece of footwear designed for movement, shaped like the foot, and price it at 50 bucks Canadian. The shoes are officially were officially released on October 2nd, and if you want to grab a pair, you can visit disruptfootwear.com and check out the details about those. This episode of the show is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. If you're into coffee, this company offers a great service that gets you fresh beans to your door each month, along with the story behind the craft roasters that the beans come from. If you check out the roasterspack.com, use the code FOOT at checkout, you'll get seven bucks off your first month. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by our travel partner, Nanook. They make awesome protective cases in Canada that can keep your gear safe when you travel. And if you want to see what they offer, you can head to nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. Let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. Hello, wonderful beings. Welcome back to another episode of Nerd Talk. My guest today is Mark Sherafinsky Jr., who is a foot nerd from Wisconsin, an avid runner, and a pediatric radiologist. Mark, thanks for taking the time this morning to chat. My pleasure is mine, Nick. Awesome. So Mark's been on the audio project before, uh, but just in case people haven't heard that first episode, uh, maybe just tell the people a little bit about yourself to start. Yeah, sure. So um, as Nick said, I'm, I'm in Wisconsin. Uh, we are uh, not, not terribly far from Canada, so um, we, we identify with, uh, with, with winter and, and, and seasons. Um, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a father of three girls, um, so I have uh, three little girls, one that's one, uh, the next is three and the oldest is about to turn six. Um, so that, uh, that keeps me really busy and that's really the most important thing in my life. And then, uh, as Nick also mentioned, I'm, I'm a radiologist, I'm a pediatric radiologist by training and, uh, and I do almost exclusively pediatric radiology, uh, in, in my day-to-day -day practice. Cool. And you're a runner. We talked about a lot about your running, uh, sort of practice in the first one, but, uh, maybe give like the brief Coles notes on, uh, on running, how frequently you run, um, and sort of what, what motivates you and gives you purpose with, uh, with the activity of running. Yeah. So, you know, running is, um, is something that I actually picked up in medical school just as a way to kind of blow off steam and, um, and, and use, and use my, my body in, in a different way, uh, or use a different part of my body, I should say, rather than just my brain all the time. Um, I felt like it was a useful way for me to kind of disconnect a little bit, but at the same time also feel, uh, feel more connected um, to myself and, and to the world. And so uh, my, my current running is, is hampered just a little bit. Um, I was, I was kind of telling Nick offline that I, I have a, a bit of a back injury. It was a, a freak thing that I uh, basically took a misstep in my basement and kind of wrenched my back a little bit, but I'm, I'm coming back from that really, uh, really quickly. And, and, um, but other than, uh, other than the most recent week or two, uh, I usually run about hundred kilometers a week, 60, 60 ish miles, uh, with a, that being a mix of roads and trails. And, um, I, you know, basically as, as was detailed kind of on the previous, uh, podcast, I I've gone through a bit of an evolution with my running in terms of footwear, um, where my original foray into running actually started with, minimalist footwear uh, in the in the form of uh, five fingers I kind of went more towards the traditional uh, traditional end of the spectrum so to speak with with highly cushioned shoes and and uh, and that sort of thing and, um, and and found myself getting hurt a lot and uh, you know by examining sort of my training and also taking a look at what made my feet feel the best um, not only in running but in everyday life I kind of came back to the idea of, of more minimalist and natural footwear and uh, and that's where I've that's where the dust has settled for me, and that's where I've been for the last several years, and uh, and that's what continues to uh, to make running enjoyable for me, um, and it continues just to be an activity that I use. Uh, I, I don't want to be cliche and say I use it as as my meditation, but 
it really is my way of um, uh, of just clearing my head and disconnecting. I, I don't listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts when I run. Um, you know, it's 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 that rare opportunity in in modern modern day life to to be with myself and uh, and, and my thoughts. And um, and so that's where that's where I uh, that's kind of where I get out of running these days. And you know, I love to compete. Um, obviously, with current circumstances, that's not really one of the things that's available to us right now. But uh, but for me, running has always been more of a lifestyle. Uh, than you know, than than a, a definite goal-oriented activity. So um, it's just part of something. It's it's something that to me is a part of of a healthy life. Uh, again, for me. Cool. Yeah, and I don't think it's cliche to say it's your meditation. I talk to a lot of people, and depending on what your meaning of meditation is, um, you know, a lot of people define that as just spending time with their own thoughts. And I don't think meditation needs to necessarily happen in this, uh, you know, this archetype we all think of where you're seated, cr- seated cross-legged with your eyes closed. I think that uh, it's a broad definition. And, and I've definitely heard from a lot of runners that they look at that as their meditation. That is their form of, you know, I look at beam work as my, I was one of my forms of meditation and certainly running can fit that bill, especially if you're not, uh, especially if you're doing it really with an internal focus where you're not listening to any external media uh, and it just allows you to sort of clear your mind, uh, get some of those really good neurochemicals pumping through the body and, uh, and also just getting motion at all the joints and, and sort of um, getting your heart pumping, getting your muscles working, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. And one of the things that stimulated um, us having this chat was, uh, well, a couple of things. We're looking to uh, begin footwear reviews. So Mark has... Um, has sort of expressed an interest in, uh, you kind of mentioned that you love testing footwear. And I also really appreciate the open-mindedness of just uh, the path of inquiry you've gone on, right? You, like you said, you went to natural footwear, you went back to conventional, uh, and then you've sort of settled on the continuum with natural footwear again, uh, based on, you know, based on injuries and how you felt. And so, you know, being open-minded to trying different kinds of footwear and being someone who runs, uh, you know, what I would consider fairly high mileage makes you an amazing candidate to give sort of vetted reviews um, on, on footwear for people, for runners out there who are maybe looking for a better alternative. And hopefully today we can make the case that uh, natural footwear is not only a viable alternative for uh, high mileage runners, but is actually, uh, I feel is a superior alternative based on, um, the fact that it guides you to a more natural running technique. So, um, I think, you know, like when you talk to runners, do you find that some of the higher volume, higher level runners have uh, a resistance to looking at natural footwear as a viable alternative? Like, has that been something that you've sort of heard of or had conversations about? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I do, at least uh, I did um, back when when group runs were a thing. Um, I, I was I was running you know with with uh, a group of high mileage people once or twice a week, and um, you know the the conversation would always come up that you know that it's like man how do you how do you run in those things? Like I, I understand if somebody's kind of like you know just sort of dawdling down the the bike path, you know maybe they go on a, a 5k run like once or twice a week or something like that. But like right. how are you how are you running? 60, 70 miles a week in, in these shoes and not only just on roads, but also on like trails and, you know, uh, irregular surfaces and stuff. Like I, I, I would feel that that would wreck me, you know, was, was, is something that I would hear often. And, you know, when, when kind of probing into it further, I think the, the common, the common thread there was that everybody associates the absence of cushion with increased risk of injury. And so right. people somehow, some way have, have conflated, cushion with injury protection. And, and I don't think that that's, I don't think that's their error. I think that's the, that's what the marketing has kind of, has kind of yep. led us to believe. And so, and so that's, um, you know, that's, that's one thing. And, and I think the other, the other part of it is that, you know, as much as, as much as running is a very different sport than, you know, than American football, than basketball, baseball, these sports where there's a lot of marketing, a lot of product, um, you know, a lot of product, uh, I guess, product marketing based on certain athletes. You don't see that as much in running, but you do, if you pay attention to professional running, you see that, you know, the, the, the high level runners, the ones that are setting records, the ones that are winning races, the ones that are, you know, that we're hearing about, um, you know, on, on, in the Olympics and on the news and things like that. These are athletes that are sponsored by 
the big companies, the big brands. And they're wearing, you know, very traditional shoes because that's what the big brands make. And mm -hmm. so if you're seeing people that are running two hour marathons on television or reading about it on the internet, and you're seeing that they're wearing these, you know, these traditional shoes, you're going to associate that with performance. And I think every runner, just like every, uh, you know, CrossFit athlete, just like every cyclist, whatever, it has a sense of identity, a sense of, you know, of belonging to a certain community. And in order to fit the part, you, you kind of have to look the part. Um, and, and I think right. that that's where some of that comes in as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think there is, uh, you know, like you say, there might not be the same level or intensity of targeted marketing as, as some of the bigger sports like basketball, especially. Um, there is still a ton of programming that happens every time you walk into a traditional footwear store, right? Where the notion of cushioning and, and, you know, I don't, like you said, I don't blame the people. And in fact, I don't even blame the people working at footwear stores because they're just being given this information by the reps from these big footwear companies. Um, and they're being given, they're obviously, you know, the, rep, the reps of a company selling highly cushioned and highly supportive footwear are not going to tell people that it impedes in the natural function of the foot when if, you know, in reality, that's exactly what happens. And, you know, the human body is such a complex system that the last thing we should be doing is adding more complexity for the body to process and, and integrate, especially when that gets us away from natural movement. And, you know, I think the notion that cushioning uh, reduces impact forces on your body is a very, is a seemingly intuitive notion, right? Like it makes sense at the outset. If you don't understand how cushioning affects our running mechanics and how important our mechanics are for using the natural shock absorbers of the body, um, then it can, then it can sort of seem like it makes a lot of sense, right? It's very intuitive. Um, and it's sort of one of those paradoxes that something commonly accepted and seemingly intuitive actually turns out to be completely the opposite when you understand the broader spectrum of running as a movement. And, you know, I did a little video on heel striking yesterday, um, trying to unpack some of the confusion because I just get so much, so many questions about it where people are confused, right? Is heel striking good? Is heel striking bad? Um, you know, and they often confuse walking with running because with walking, it's natural to hit your heel on the ground first, although it should be very soft. It shouldn't be a slam into the ground, but with running, you know, the analogy I made was, you know, Barney Rubble from the Flintstones wants to put the brakes on his car. He digs his heels into the ground in front of him because that reduces forward momentum. And if you're landing with your heel landing far in front of you in an overstride, you're kind of putting the brakes on. And not only are you putting the brakes on, you might be cushioning your heel bone with, with a, you know, a piece of foam or an air bubble, but you're negating the need for all of your other joints upstream to be efficient at absorbing impacts. And so you're essentially just shipping off the, the impact force on your heel to the rest of your skeleton. And the problem with that is that it's a really lagging marker, right? Like you, you don't get... Um, heel striking itis in your knee and your hip, the minute you do it, you get it 10 years down the road when you have little cartos left. And I think that's part of the sort of confusion that we have to almost deconstruct. Um, and unfortunately, the footwear companies making natural footwear, it's such a small market that they don't yet have, well, number one, I think a lot of them are scared from the whole Vibram thing and the confusion around that. Um, Absolutely. So I think we can be a force um, for sort of helping these natural footwear companies be able to helping people better understand the movement of running. Cause that's really how this happens. The best marketing for natural footwear is actually just education on foot health and on movement. Um, and so, you know, what are the common, so you said that people have the objection of, you know, cushioning. How do you, how do you possibly run in that in cushioning and, uh, without arch support and without cushioning and, you know, have you found any way in where you can start to, you know, I don't know if you still run with that group or if you still get these questions, but, you know, if someone says, Mark, how do you run in those without arch support and without cushioning? What, what is sort of the answer that, um, that you would give that person? So, so I guess the way it turns out is, is most runners, I think, tend to have a little bit of nerd in them. Um, I, 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 you know, if you just sort of think about, <laughs> I agree, classically in popular culture, you know, you, you think about like, you know, Oh, Hey, the runner kid in high school is a kid with like the short shorts and the, you know, three inch thick glasses and whatever. <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think there's, there's a little bit of truth to that. Um, and, and I will say that 
the nerdiness in, in a lot of ways comes down to um, comes down to at least a, at least a fundamental or a basic elementary interest in, in kind of science and physiology and how how the body works. And I think to some of these folks, I've I've been able to kind of make the case that, you know, so I'll say, for instance, um, you know, okay, you're a, you're a, a, a six foot tall guy, um, you, you know, and, and, and basically your, your legs are like half your body length. And you're telling me that putting an additional inch of foam between your foot and the ground is going to in some way enhance the shock absorption mechanism of this nearly three foot long spring that you already have connected to your pelvis. Like, you have three foot, three feet of shock absorber between your pelvis and the ground, you know, effectively your leg. And by putting an inch of static foam between your heel or between your foot and the ground, you're somehow going to enhance that mechanism. It j- just from a math standpoint, that doesn't make <laughs> a whole lot of sense. Yep. And obviously that oversimplifies the whole thing, but it just from a, a magnitude standpoint, it gives people an understanding of like, okay, that little bit of foam really isn't making that much of a difference because your entire leg and in fact your entire body, but just for simplicity's sake, your entire leg, its function is to absorb shock and, and to provide cushion, so to speak. And so by doing that, you know, you're, you're not really changing the, the math, all that, you know, the calculus doesn't change all that much in your favor by simply adding another, you know, inch of cushion beneath your foot. And then the other thing that I, that I sort of talk about is because people say like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a heel striker and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think a lot of people have, have made the point that like, if you take people out of shoes and have, and let them run on any kind of surface, what, no matter what kind of striker they are, uh, quote unquote, that they're going to become, you know, a mid to four foot striker pretty quickly because landing on your heel doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel good. It just, it just <laughs> right. doesn't. And, and, but you know, that in and of itself is not really the, the, the argument that I make. The argument that I make is that if you look at, if you, if you want to look at the body from an, a structural engineering standpoint, the way that we're able to run, the way that the thing that, that allows us to run is basically storing elastic energy. And when you store energy by striking the ground, by contacting, and then, and then getting into, you know, kind of a stance phase and then a push off phase, essentially all you're doing is storing energy and then releasing it. The structure that's most capable, the most adept structure that we have in our lower extremity for storing and releasing elastic energy is the Achilles tendon. And when you land on your heel, you basically bypass the Achilles tendon as an, as a, as an energy storage mechanism. And right. so, and so, you know, if you are a person of science, if you are a person of, you know, that appreciates anatomy and physiology, you have to take a look at why the largest tendon in our body and one of the largest tendons in the, in, in the animal kingdom, in fact, is, is, is connecting our heel to our knee. And, and the reason is it's there to store elastic energy. And if you land on your heel, you're, you're essentially eliminating the, the Achilles tendon as a, as, as an, you know, as a storage energy storage mechanism and as a way to propel you forward. And so that, that to me is just, that's, that's a, a, a little bit of logic that seems to help people as well. Right. And I agree that runners seem to be innately curious, mostly from my experience, from the standpoint of what can I do to perform better? And, you know, it's one of those things where I've learned that the injury mitigation conversation is almost a lost leader. Like they don't give a shit about preventing injuries because they don't really, injuries aren't a concern for them until the injuries happen. Right. Um, and oftentimes when you dig into it, you know, I'll ask runners, do you have a history of injuries? Like, do you have injuries that you face every year? And there's the same sort of container of injuries where, you know, you got the hamstring strains, the Achilles tendinopathy, the knee pain, the back pain. There's kind of a list of textbook running injuries where most of them are at a low enough level where people, you know, they're just like, oh yeah, I take an Advil and it comes and goes. When I start running outside again, it comes. And I used to focus on that. And, but now I've sort of brought the conversation immediately to an efficiency conversation, which I feel covers both injury mitigation and performance the performance side is what people give a shit about really uh, is where you get their ears to kind of perk up a little bit. But I always try and make the case that the efficiency conversation, the conversation about how do you improve your running efficiency by using the right parts for the right jobs. And like you said, a big part of that is using the Achilles tendon as this free energy source. If you're actually running with the mechanics that allow for that um, to reduce the amount of energy you need, to run and to increase your efficiency, which increases your performance, but it also decreases your injury risk. Cause now you're 
absorbing those impact forces uh, with the right areas, with an area designed to absorb it, instead of with your skeleton, which is not designed to absorb it. And thinking that all of the work that your Achilles tendon does, like you said, can be done by an inch of cushioning is such a, is such a limiting and simplistic um, perspective. And I think it's really a matter of asking them questions to find out where their deepest point of, of being convinced that cushioning is helping them. Where is that deepest point? And then trying to find a way in to essentially ask some questions to challenge that assumption. Um, because it is, you know, humans are not very good at, at changing their minds. And I think one thing with the footner community is that everyone seems to be radically open-minded to seeing different perspectives, whether they agree with them or not is a different story and they don't necessarily need to, but they at least need to be able to see the other perspective. And, you know, as a runner, it's a hard pill to swallow when you're like, shit, I've been running in cushion footwear for 20 years. And now you're telling me that cushion footwear might be reducing my performance and also making me more likely to get injured. It's a much more comfortable path to follow to just brush that off as not true. Uh, especially considering the amount of programming that we get from running shoe companies and marketing and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, the good news there is that people like yourself, people like myself, we can actually have a background understanding of physiology and how the body works and even of running mechanics um, to be able to have a, you know, a, a well thought out conversation with like a discussion, right? Instead of just saying, oh, those shoes are terrible for you. Don't wear them. It's like, we can actually discuss with people and have a fairly well-informed discussion. And, and I think this is where these shoes review, shoe reviews come in where, like you have a, a very deep level, you have a very unique combination, right? You have a good, a very good understanding of physiology as a physician. You have a history of running and, and almost like a, a path of inquiry that you've taken with injuries and with footwear choices. So you have a lot of stuff packed into what you can put into a review compared to the average person that's just doing a simple product review. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to see how people, how these these reviews resonate with people because I really think when it comes to making informed decisions about footwear, I think that people underestimate how big of an impact footwear can have on, on the running. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned it before this fallacy of elite athletes where, you know, well, this person is a high level runner and they're wearing a cushion, they're wearing hokas and they heel strike. So it can't be that bad. And it's sort of this uh, very, simplistic fallacy it's kind of like saying okay well have you seen lebron james's feet they're mangled because he's got big human feet and he's jamming them into inhumane footwear right that's a narrow so his feet are destroyed if you go out and destroy your feet and mangle your feet it doesn't mean you're going to be hitting dunks all day like it's right. a, you can't assume that just because someone is doing something that, <laughs> that doesn't align with health or biomechanics it doesn't mean that you should be doing it and you know, it's kind of what you see on social media. People always reach for the points that confirm their perspective instead of trying to find out how things measure up in an unbiased way. So, right, right. Well, and and I think you know, just not to not to interrupt, um, but no, no, yeah, that I was think, I was done. Well, I I think one of the so so the point that you were hitting on earlier is 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 running economy, um, and that's and that is absolutely a, a critical sort of arguing point or not arguing point, but that that will that will get you know, dedicated runners, committed runners attention when you talk about improving running economy, um, because everybody understands that, you know, the more economical, the more efficient you are with your movement, the more you get out of whatever it is that you have, you know, we don't all have, you know, we, we all don't have world class engines, um, in terms of our, you know, cardiovascular system, but everybody wants to maximize whatever potential uh, they do have. And right. And, and, and so I think when you, when you, when you talk about running economy, basically you are, you are, you're saying, you know, Hey, look, we want to make sure that you are running as fast as you can, or as efficiently as you can, as long as you can, given what your, you know, what your ability level is. And then the other thing that I just wanted to touch on was uh, something that you kind of reminded me of there. And I, and I, I heard it most recently in your discussion, um, your, one of your health conversations, I think it was with, uh, Austin, Austin Einhorn. Um, yep. and, and basically you had made the statement that in physio school, you are given sort of the baseline assumption or you're, 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 you're taught the baseline assumption that the body human body is, is fundamentally flawed. And I think that is also something that's applicable to, you know, to footwear and to the marketing that goes into traditional footwear, there is that insinuation, there is that suggestion 
that the foot can't take care of itself and that it needs guidance, that it needs, you know, it needs support, it needs protection. And well, it does need protection, but not to the extent that it's being provided now. And so, right. um, you know, so, so I think that is, you know, again, that's another portion of this, uh, of the, of the marketing of the, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the, the term brainwashing, but just that's the narrative that, that is going on right now is that like the rest of the human body, the foot is flawed and it needs our help. And, and so, um, obviously, you know, where I stand on that subject, but, uh, you know, but I think that's something that a lot of people hear and that's ingrained kind of in the, in the collective consciousness of, of runners. Yes, I agree. And I think it reinforces sort of that cycle of reaching for quote unquote technology and footwear to make up for the flaw that we have in our own technology when, you know, it's another one of those paradoxes where that, you know, if you take the assumption that the human body is not designed to run huge amounts of mileage, um, then it makes sense that you would reach for things that would allow you to go beyond your biology. Problem is we are designed to run massive amounts of mileage. Surely you have to train and prepare and live a lifestyle that's in alignment with being able to do that. Um, but it, it, you're right. It's such a flawed assumption. And, you know, this whole thing that, uh, you know, I take the assumption that if you give the body what it needs and you expose it to the right inputs, it will do amazing things. You know, it's, it's no surprise that these Tamahumara runners in the Copper Canyon mountains are able to run into their seventies, like hundred kilometer races. Uh, because that's what they do. This is part of their lifestyle. They don't sit at a desk and then expect to be able to run. They don't wear fancy footwear, but you don't really hear about those people unless you're a diehard running nerd and you're reading, you know, born to run or watching videos. And so, you know, there's this, I can't remember what the fallacy is actually called, but essentially it's, it's something like the more you hear something, the more you're exposed to a certain set of messaging, the more true it actually ends up becoming. Because you assume that if the majority are saying this thing, the majority must be correct. And so we accept that as truth. And if all you're hearing is that you need cushion running shoes, uh, you know, running is bad for your body, you need cushioning to absorb the impacts, then eventually that becomes truth. You know, especially if you don't have a, um, the tools to have your own path of inquiry where you put it through the filter of critical thinking and actually put in the work to research it, right? It's very convenient to just take someone's word that's selling you a pair of shoes and assume that they know what they're talking about. Um, and surely that person is not trying to harm you, but they're only being given the information that's being passed on by companies making these products. So it's like this vicious cycle where it's really hard to get people out of it. And uh, I think these podcasts, you know, we get emails, quite frequently where people are like, wow, you really changed my perspective and I'm going to try this. And that's really the goal, right? We're not saying, because I think there's something to be said about the lack of understanding when transitioning to natural footwear and the idea that it's not just a black and white switch. Um, you know, I often will recommend to people spend a month, at least a month walking around with natural footwear as your every, everyday footwear, because you know, I think a lot of the fear that people have in, in switching is like, I think they kind of innately know that their feet have become weak and that their bodies have become more, um, you know, like the technology breeds a dependence on the technology. If you never expose your foot to texture or different pressures, or you never uh, give yourself the environment to run naturally. And, and, you know, I really think that heel cushion shoes are what gives people are the only thing that gives permission to heel strike. Cause like you said, Whenever I get significant heel strikers, people who always tried running on a hard surface barefoot, they immediately change how they move. And they say, oh, this feels really weird. And to me, that's an indicator of how disconnected they've become from like our self-limiting natural way of running. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Well, and, and I think, you know, just another, another sort of to dovetail on that is, is essentially another, another, another thing that in my mind is sort of a an argument for uh, you know more minimalist or, or natural footwear is is this idea that like you said it, you know it, people become dependent on on certain on, on certain things you know certain components of these shoes um, in order to to sort of keep them going and and I found that for me the the longer that I've been a runner you know now I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not a spring chicken. I'm, I'm, I'm 36. So I'm not, I'm not super young, but I'm not super old either. But I, I, one of the things that I've found with my running recently is that a big part of the puzzle, you know, a big, a big part of kind of 
continuing to stay viable, stay active as a runner is figuring out how you're going to make this sustainable for you. And, 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 and that's in terms of not only in terms of like volume and intensity, but also in terms of basically spending years and years crafting your biomechanics in such a way that'll allow you, that allows your body to, to stay on top of recovery, if, if, that, if that makes sense. Basically, yep. you want to minimize the amount of musculoskeletal insult that is imparted with every run in such a way as for you to continue benefiting from the runs rather than continue breaking down. And, and that's one of the things that younger runners, I think, don't understand because n- number one, they have, they have you know, a higher capacity for, for recovery. But number two, they don't have that, that long sort of, uh, you know, that long um, deep well of miles in their legs and their bodies that ultimately over time, if they're done well, will make them stronger. Conversely, if they're done poorly from a biomechanical standpoint, they will, you know, that that will come to bear um, later on in their running life. And so, and so for me, I look at this from a, from a, a more big picture standpoint. And I think to myself, what can I do today at 36 that's going to continue or that's going to make me able to continue running at 46, 56, 66. And, and for me, one of the things that I look at or one of the, one of the reasons that I, that I appreciate natural footwear, minimalist footwear is that it makes me dependent on one less thing. And that was something that you sort of alluded to there is that, you know, we come, we become dependent on this technology. I can't tell you how many runners I know that hoard and stockpile a certain model of a shoe because if they run in anything else, they get all <laughs> kinds of they get all kinds of problems. And right. and and if and if that doesn't tell you something, then I then I I guess I, I don't I don't know where I don't know how to help you because effectively what you've done there is you've admitted that there is some component external to your body that it requires in order to function optimally or to to maintain health in this activity. And I think there, you know, anybody in that situation has to understand that, you know, that that shoe is ultimately going to stop being made. And then there's going to be another shoe after that, that potentially might be the one that fit, you know, that, that allows them to continue running, but maybe not. And so it seems to me that it would be a bit more prudent at this point to make your, make your, your body kind of, you know, shoe agnostic make sure that your foot is working the way that it should, that your ankle, that your hip and knee are working the way that they should. And I can tell you this, sandals are never going, aren't aren't going away. You know, maybe (laughs) this, that, that, that single motion controlled, um, you know, medial posted, whatever carbon plated thing that you're running in now, that's making you able to continue logging the miles. Maybe that's doing its job for you right now, but there's a chance that that's not going to be there in two years, three years, four years, whatever, but rubber with straps on it, like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to, that, that, that model is going to, going to exist a, a few decades from now. And so making your body again, indifferent agnostic to whatever it is strapped to your foot um, is, you know, in, in, at least in a, in a, in a, a general sense, I think that's, I think there's, there's, there's value in that. That is a great way of framing that. I've never thought about it in that way, but that's so true. And, you know, one of these, conversations that I I've had with runners in the past is the fact that cushioning breaks down and you know cush eventually that cushioning will start to compress especially in areas that have higher wear applied to it and every time cushioning compresses it actually starts to it adds another variable that your body has to process so if the lateral side of your shoe is significantly more smushed than the medial side it's going to affect every single landing you have. And it's an extra variable for your body to process. So essentially as time passes and you put more mileage on, on shoes with cushioning, you're adding more variables that your body has to process because effectively every month of running can, can actually be different because you're adding more uncertainty to the equation of movement. And it's one of those things where when you wear footwear from a utilitarian perspective where, you know, where I wear shoes to protect my foot from damage when I'm going for a run, there's really nothing to compress there. And, and the life, the longevity of your footwear uh, improves substantially such that you don't have to constantly buy new shoes because they're not, there's nothing to break down, right? Like a thin layer of rubber. That's why zero can give you, can give people such a long guarantee on their sole length. I think it's something like 5,000 miles or something like that. 
Um, whereas, you know, in physio school, literally our only class we had on running footwear was you should replace your shoes every 750 kilometers. And when I learned that, I was like, how are they being that? How are they that certain that that distance for all people <laughs> is, what you should, is what the rule should be? And I was like, this seems way too simplistic to hold to hold any truth. And, you know, like when someone says, Mark, why do you wear footwear? Like, how do you pick your shoes? How do you view the role of footwear and how do you choose what footwear to use depending on, um, you know, what run you're going on? And that can be regards to distance or uh, texture or surface that you're running on or just out of curiosity to try something different. Like how do you view footwear as a, um, essentially as a, as a piece of clothing? Cause I think a lot of people view footwear as technology, whereas I view it as clothing. Um, what's your perspective on that? Yeah. <clears throat> so I, um, so re real, real quickly, as you were, you were mentioning that, you know, you were saying that, uh, every 750 kilometers, uh, a shoe should be, should be replaced. It, it had me wondering how many, how many miles, um, or kilometers are on the, uh, my, my, my oldest pair of shoes. I shouldn't say my oldest, my, my highest mileage pair of shoes. So I have a, a pair of, um, Vibram five fingers, uh, V runs that according to Strava have, uh, 1,796 miles on them, which, which, wow. converts to, which converts to 2,896 kilometers. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so, and, uh, and I, and I don't plan on retiring them anytime soon. Um, and so, so that would be, that'd be almost four times, uh, what, uh, what, what the recommended change <laughs> interval is, um, for, for, you know, that, that you had been taught in, in physio school. So right. either, either I'm doing something wrong or, or they, they, they taught you something wrong, but, um, <laughs> in, in, in any case, uh, so, so I, I guess going back to your question, I think I, I would agree with you. Footwear is, footwear is clothing. Um, and, and for me, uh, and anybody who runs with me will laugh, laugh when they hear that because, um, I'm, I'm, I don't wear a whole lot of clothing when I run. Um, and, and I don't wear a whole lot of shoe, uh, when, when I run. And so I'm, I'm <laughs> you're at least the, you're consistent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the, the hippie out there with, with, uh, short shorts, a hat and, and, and sandals. Um, but, uh, basically I, I make my decision essentially on there, there's usually two two branch points um one am i am i going to be on roads or am i going to be on trails um and from there uh if if i'm going to be on trails um is it is it more of a smooth kind of buffed out sort of trail uh or is it going to be something that's that's highly technical and has a lot of rocks and roots and a lot of elevation change and maybe loose surfaces and things like that um and so that's really the the main the main decision point for me um as far as road runs Every run is every run is the same insofar as uh, as as what I would choose. Um, whether I'm going for a a four mile run or, or I'm going for a 24 mile run, I'm pretty much going to make the same choice, the same selection. Um, because for me, uh, as you said, um, footwear it's it's clothing, it's it's protection for the bottom of my foot. I, I'm not relying on any kind of cushioning in order to help me, you know, go the distance, so to speak. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have a, a more cushioned shoe for a long run versus a, a less cushioned shoe for a short run. I, I run the same way, whether I'm running long or short. So I use the same footwear, um, whether I'm running long or short. And then for the, for the trail, um, again, if it's a, if it's a, a relatively, a relatively tame trail, um, I will, I will run, uh, either in my five finger trail, uh, trail version, or I will run in a pair of sandals. And when it's warm out, like it has been, uh, for the last several months, um, in this time of year, I, I love, I love running in sandals and that is what I will wear, um, every time. And, and one of the things that I've actually loved about the, uh, the, the sandal that I had just been running in most recently, uh, the earth runners, uh, alpha sandal is that it's it, it, it you can do both and so there are times where you might do kind of a road to trail run where you have to run a mile or two to get to the trail run around on the trail and then come back and and i've i have found them absolutely perfect for that um maybe a bit a bit thicker of a midsole than i would like for everyday life and casual use but for a sandal where you're going to be on running on surfaces that are a little unpredictable um i i've, I've found those to be awesome um, you know, and, and then that also leads me kind of to my, to the, uh, to the other thing that, that you were alluding to, or that you were talking about earlier is that, you know, I'm, I'm willing and able to try everything. And so for me, I have found that there are times when a more traditional shoe really is the tool for the job. And so 
if it's going to be really, really muddy and I'm running trails, if it's going to be super rocky, super technical, and, you know, basically doing a lot of just off trail and, and near scrambling, I'm going to be wearing a shoe uh, or a piece of footwear that allows me to do that the most, you know, to, to do that safely. And so, um, you know, that's that being said, you're still never going to see me wearing something that has, you know, a, a 10 millimeter heel to toe drop. You're never going to see me wearing something that has an inch or more of cushioning beneath my foot. That's that's not that that's not for me. But I will wear something that's a bit more full coverage around my foot and that has, you know, some lugs or knobs kind of on the bottom um, to give me a little bit better grip or purchase on a surface if I feel like uh, like like the footing is going to be sketchy. Um, but uh, I guess coming back full circle, the, the main, the main bifurcation for me at that decision point is, am I going to be running a road or am I going to be running a trail? And the next question is, can I get away with it in sandals? And, um, I, 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 I usually can't. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you're looking at footwear as a tool, uh, where you have a broad array of tools at your disposal and each tool is sort of tailored, um, as you've sort of discovered through your journey, to a certain kind of running surface, right? Something that has, uh, you know, you might need more tread. You might need a bit of a thick, you know, if, if you're running on really, really rocky surfaces where there could be pointed rocks, having something like, the, like uh, for example, the Vibram trail shoe has a bit of a thicker sole. So there's a little bit more protection against, um, you know, sharper or not sharp as in going to cut you, but sharp as in you could get a point impact uh, if you didn't really notice a certain rock sort of sticking up towards your foot. And that makes a big difference because if you slam your foot and you kind of bruise the tissues, it's pro you're not going to die, but it might make the rest of the run really shitty. So choosing the right tool for the right job, I, I really feel that that's what I call a utilitarian perspective with footwear, where the footwear is, is there for a purpose. Your choice is based on a series of logical, uh, like you went through sort of the, the bifurcation of, am I doing this or this? Am I going to be, you know, should I use this or this based on those circumstances? And, um, I think that your, you know, the shoe reviews will be a very potent uh, illustration of, of almost giving people a template of what sort of the decision uh, tree looks like and, and what it might look like when you take a utilitarian perspective um, to footwear. And I'm, I'm really excited, like the earth runners, I love earth runners. Um, but what I've been using recently is uh, shamas and I find myself just gravitating to them most frequently because I find that they, they feel uh, like I'm not wearing anything. And sometimes the earth runners, you kind of got to get in there and adjust it. So we're going to get a pair of shamas out to you. And I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on it because it's really, um, they're made in the USA, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, so you can support a, a domestic US business. I think they're made in Santa Cruz by a small company of just awesome people that love making great footwear. And maybe even one clarification we should make with sandals is, is when we say sandal, we mean a functional sandal that has an ankle uh, anchor point where it's not, you're not running in flip-flops. Uh, you can try that. Good luck. It's, it's not very pleasant. Um, but an, a sand, quote unquote sandal, like a classic Hirachi style or something with points of connection so that your toe, your big toe is not the only point that's keeping that sandal from flying off your foot. There's a pretty good framework around your ankle to keep that piece of rubber stable, uh, and also centered under the bottom of your foot. And, um, you know, even to your Vibram, your Vibram thing, that's incredible. And I think it's more so an illustration of your running technique because I've had some people uh, come in and they've just, you know, we even get some feedback from uh, customers at the shop that have bought footwear from us. And they're like, geez, I wore a hole through my Vivos in like three months. What's going on here? And they assume it's a problem with the shoe. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, we never have those issues. So clearly you're moving in such a way that's creating more friction between the ground and the shoe. And so it's not a shoe problem. It's not a fault with the construction of the shoe. There wasn't like a one-off rubber section exactly where you seem to wear more when you walk and run that, that was just faulty on that shoe. And I think the longer you're able to use a shoe for, I think it illustrates that you're using better movement mechanics because you're just interacting with the ground and you're not actually unevenly putting pressure on certain areas or creating undue friction in some areas. So I think that's a, that's incredible that they've lasted that long. And I think it's an illustration that Vibram do make their shoes really well, but they also, um, but also the fact that you're probably moving very well. So you're not creating undue friction on them. Well, and that, that's, I, that's, 
kind kind of you to say i will in in the interest of full disclosure i will say that there have been you know that there are wear spots on on the bottoms of those shoes and and i have and i have in order to prolong their life i've, I've actually put what's called shoe goo on the nice. bottom of them um and, and basically it's just like this uh you know it, it's kind of like a almost like a liquid kind of a lacquer that that dries to a to a hard almost rubber like consistency and you know i'm my my wife would call me cheap um i'm i I think, <laughs> it, I think of it as being fiscally conservative um but nice. in any case in any case i you know i've i've put i've put a, a few dabs of shugu on those things over you know over over time just to you know kind of again sort of protect the the higher wear areas um but you know that's a that's something i've only done a couple of times and, and honestly they like the uppers on them they look brand new if i if i clean them um the upper looks brand new and so yeah i'm i'm super super impressed with those and uh and i would i would say that you know obviously if there was any substantial midsole to that shoe it would be you know the geometry of that midsole would be so distorted by you know by the compression and in the and uneven wear and so forth over time that they'd be completely unusable but as we were sort of discussing before the near absence of a midsole in that shoe basically means that there's nothing to wear out until i literally physically wear a hole through that 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 uh you know that outsole um there, there there's nothing there's no reason to stop running in them so right you call it fiscally conservative i call it problem solving and a responsible consumer because i think <laughs> we're so used to just buying more shit that if we can just take care of our stuff and invest in good quality uh, you know instead of buying more just buy better or take yep, better right. care of the products i think that's a very i think it'll be a big cultural change that we see uh you know in in, in the future um, with new generations being much more conscious of the fact that the products every product that we buy has some sort of footprint, um, no pun intended with shoes, but some sort of impact um, on, on the world. And it's, it, you know, that's almost to say, oh, it's, you know, byproducts that are good for the planet has almost lost its meaning. But I really think that if you understand the situation we're in right now, um, and, you know, I bought, a, uh, I bought a book that talked about like the effect, the, the cost of consumerism and our obsession with products. Um, and it goes through like how many liters of water, how much, how many units of energy in terms of fossil fuels um, are required to actually make something as simple of a shoe. And it's, it's literally blows my mind how much is required. And even something as simple as like a hamburger, like a, a unit of beef patty, the amount of resources from the planet that that takes in terms of uh, water, especially. Uh, because you got to grow the plants to feed the cows. You got to give the cows water to drink. Uh, you have to do all this processing that requires you to use fuels. And it's like, we really take for granted what is required to go into products we make. So just trying to prolong the life of your products by taking better care of them and, and sort of valuing replacing or fixing areas instead of just ditching them and getting a new pair. Uh, I think that's setting a great example for, I think something that needs to be put into the forefront in future. So good on you for doing that. Um, and I'll have to talk to Vibram because I was uh, a brand ambassador and I've sort of lost touch with them because they had a big transition with their team uh, in the past year, but uh, you'd be a perfect brand ambassador and they basically send you like three or four pairs of shoes each year to just test and try and, uh, you know, I, I sort of don't get out in Vibrams as much because I have so many shoes in my closet that people have sent me that I try and demo. But I think uh, I'll have to get in touch with them and see if they still have that program because you'd be a great candidate, especially with as someone they should almost like buy those shoes from you with 27, 2800 kilometers, put them in a glass case and say, here's what you can do with our shoes if you actually take good care of them and you move well. <laughs> uh, no, no way, man. They've got a lot of service life left. So <laughs> there I'm, you go. I'm keeping them. I like it. Never throw those out. I'll put them in the TFC footwear museum when we have one eventually. Um, cool. Yeah. So, so what, um, what got you, what part of you enjoys the, the kind of element of testing footwear and where do you see the value and, and even like, where's your mindset on, okay, if you're doing a shoe, a, a review on a certain type of footwear, um, what are the big things that you plan to put into those? Cause we're going to create that template and we're going to get these going. And I'm really excited to, to read kind of what you put together. Um, so just sort of give an objective review of all these, of, of, of different footwear products, especially for runners. 
what do you consider to be the important elements to include in one of those reviews? Um, and, and sort of, and why do you feel a sense of purpose to do these reviews? Like what gets you jazzed up about them? Yeah. So <clears throat> I, th- I think to answer your, your, your last question first, you know, what, what gives me a sense of purpose with it? Um, you know, I, I think, I think that most of us who are in, who are in healthcare or who are, you know, in, uh, who, who deal with, with people in one way or another, there's just an, an innate sense of, of, um, of value that you get when you, when you feel like you're helping somebody. And, yeah. and, and I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, imply that, you know, that I'm, that I'm automatically helping people by providing what I think of, of this shoe or that sandal or whatever. Um, you know, that, that's, that's not, uh, that's not where I'm coming from with that. It's, it's the sense that uh, I use these things in order to, to do the thing, one of the things that I love in life, which is run. And I understand that for a lot of people, there's, you know, there, there are considerations and decisions to be made. You know, they have money that they're being, that that's being spent and, and they just want to make sure that they're getting something that's going to be what they expect and, and, you know, and hopefully uh, is going to be serving them well. And, and so in my mind, the idea of, Hey, I can try this thing out. I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm running all the time. I'm running every day and, and God willing, I'll be running for a very long time. I really like the idea that, Hey, I can, I can test this stuff. I can run in it and, and I can share my thoughts. And if it's valuable to somebody, awesome. If it's not valuable, I, that's equally important because I want to hear what it is that I can say that's going to make it more valuable. And, and so this is something that, you know, again, I, I, I'm running every day um, or most days, six, six out of seven days a week. Um, I might as well be using that time to learn about something and use that information again to, to help other people who share a common, uh, who share a common interest. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a very kind of uh, just sort of fundamental reason in that regard. Um, And, and I think going back to, uh, you know, your, your question about, you know, what, what are these, what are these reviews going to involve Um, or what are they going to, you know, what, what's the structure going to be like? What's the content going to be like for me? I'm a, even though I, I obviously talk a lot, um, I have a I have a pretty short attention span, um, and so and so I you know especially even even in my work, um, you know I am spending eight, ten, twelve hours a day looking at images, uh, but even then, I'm only looking at a certain study for you know for sometimes less than a minute, um, you know sometimes sometimes much longer than that, depending on how complex it is and what kind of study it is, but mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's kind of a bang 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 you know moving through sort of thing. And, and, you know, and just going from one thing to another. And so I don't, I don't really have the attention span to sit there and read a, you know, 25 minute long diatribe about what, you know, what, what somebody thinks about a piece of footwear. And in my, in my, in that same sense, I think when I review a piece of footwear, I like to get kind of to the point. And so for me, I think the critical elements of of a review, and and this is something that obviously you and I are going to have to kind of sort out and and agree on and work with, but I think important things are, you know, upfront, number one, what are the objective or what are the, you know, what are the sort of measurables and quantifiables? You know, how much does this thing cost? What does it weigh? Um, And, uh, you know, and, and, and that, that, you know, basically just the, the measurable elements, how thick is the midsole, that kind of thing. Um, next, I think it's important to see how that piece of footwear addresses sort of the, the main components of, of what I think we sort of as a foot nerd community have agreed on as, as sort of the, the core, the core uh, uh, attributes of, of a piece of foot, of a good piece of footwear. And for me, I remember that, you know, with uh, my, my little sort of go-to saying is, is, um, feet for the win, FFTW, and that's, you know, flat, flexible, uh, thin, and wide. And so how does this piece of footwear address each one of those, uh, each one of those attributes? Um, and then after that, basically just kind of talk about what it felt like on the first run, sort of what my first impression was, have another little, uh, little, little bit after that saying, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, saying what it, uh, what it, kind of turned out to be after a certain amount of miles, I'm still kind of deciding what I want that to be. But in my mind, I'm thinking that's probably, you know, probably a hundred miles. I think a hundred miles is a pretty fair interval for evaluation um, and sort of see how the shoe or how the, the sandal, how, whatever it is, uh, how it evolved kind of over that, over that period of time. And then maybe just a quick closing statement about how I plan to use this uh, piece of footwear going forward. 
Amazing. Wow. That is, I love the pragmatic nature of everything you said, because there's no fat on that, right? There's not really, you don't want to talk about the look or you're talking about the stuff that matters. And I think the struggle is a lot of people doing shoe reviews um, are targeting what they're reviewing based on what they think consumers want to hear about evaluating a product, which let's be honest, is mostly based on the look or, um, you know, things that we don't really deem as core values that are important for functional natural footwear. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be very powerful. I think that your perspective is significantly more, uh, is going to be significantly more impactful. You know, you're a very humble guy, but I, I know that as someone who runs, as someone who has experience and has an, a deep understanding of both the body, but also the foot in particular, um, I think what you're going to be able to put together is going to be extremely valuable for consumers to just help them make uh, an educated decision when it comes to footwear, or at least have all the perspectives to be able to make a better decision when they're deciding on what footwear to buy. And I think that, you know, like right now as a whole, we're sort of going through this, you know, what I like to think of as a cultural metamorphosis where we're sort of in a phase shift from the old way of doing things where, you know, we're losing trust in our institutions. We're drowning in a sea of bullshit through the internet. And I think our, our compass for sense-making is really starting to break down. And I think that's just part of the metamorphosis sequence, right? Like the old systems, the old sense-making institutions that are no longer serving us, because they're having to compete for our attention. And so they're essentially diluting the quality of sense-making, creating more confusion in the world are sort of breaking down. And out of that is going to emerge a new set of sort of uh, organizations, or, you know, I don't like the term company, but let's call it communities that can be a source of sense-making for people, right? That can have a strong set of guiding principles to filter through the bullshit using a system um, and be able to give good information so that someone doesn't have to research a hundred reviews on the internet, they can just have a source of information that they know is a, as an objective sense-making authority and will give accurate unbiased reviews about a product, not being swayed by um, money, not being swayed by offerings from companies and not having some, you know, hidden agenda of trying to make money from people's attention. But the goal is just to give good information. And I think TFC app is, I think can blossom into this very potent sense-making tool when it comes to health sense-making. And that can be a very broad perspective, whether it's food or running uh, or, or footwear selection for running or whatever it might be. And so I think what you, what you said there and what you want to include in your perspective behind it aligns very well with a, uh, a, a vetted resource for footwear choice sense-making. And that's really, you know, it's almost like footwear view is almost a, we'll have to think of the name because I, I kind of had Dr. Mark's reviews uh, as, as sort of the heading that we could put that under, but we'll, we'll have to evaluate whether the term review is almost like diluting what these actually are. So um, yeah, man, I'm really excited. I'm very grateful that you um, are, are sort of offering um, your time and your energy in, in, you know, thinking about the footwear that you're trying and writing stuff for the, for the broader community, because I really think, it's going to help significantly more people than what you might, uh, than what you might expect. And um, I'm really excited to start to share those. So. Well, I, I, I hope so. I hope so, Nick. And I think, and thank you again for, uh, for the kind words. I, I, I really do appreciate that. I think in, in, in what, I guess what I also want to thank you for is, is what you very eloquently uh, kind of um, described there much more eloquently than I was able to earlier. And I think that's, you know, going back to what, what my, what would be my motivation for this? Um, I'm like, you know, like you, like a lot of other people, I, I, I can, I can go deep in the weeds on something and really spend a lot of time doing a, a ton of research and a ton of, you know, reading on this. I want to read this review and that review. I want to, um, you know, check all the specs. I want to do this and that or whatever. And at the end of the day, I know that really all I need to do is, is, is hear sort of a, a, a personal testimonial from somebody who kind of thinks like me and right. that is going to tell me a lot more than, you know, than all of these, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, hand waving, uh, you know, reviews about, you know, again, yeah. What, what are the aesthetics of it? Oh, what, what is it? Uh, what does it look like with jeans? You know, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. I don't, I don't care about that. Like to, to me, to me, I, I, I'm much more interested to know, 
you know, sort of from a nuts and bolts standpoint, like, okay, does this person kind of think like me? And if they do, and they really like this, then that makes me more confident in putting, you know, in spending my hard earned money on, on that product or investing my, you know, my time in, in seeing if that works for me as well. And so I think you, you, you very eloquently said, what I'm thinking in terms of what my purpose or, or motivation would be for this. And that is, you know, that, that hopefully at some point people will trust me as somebody who thinks like them and who has kind of their interests and, and their, uh, you know, their, their um, priorities in mind, and they will be able to save themselves kind of time and energy in researching and, you know, trying to understand more about these things and just say like, Oh, okay. You know, he, Mark, Mark, Mark thought it was pretty good. I think I'll give it a shot. Um, and, and that would be, you know, that, that would mean a lot to me. So amazing. Well, we'll make sure that we get some eyeballs using social media on these reviews when they kick off and, and also try and make sure that there's an avenue for people to, um, almost like give feedback of some sort. Like it would be good if, you know, I'd be curious if you could include this or, uh, what do you think about this shoe? And, you know, people can, sort of suggest footwear to test. Um, and, you know, TFC is more than happy to reach out to these companies to either get you a pair to test or to, uh, or to purchase a pair for you. Because I, I, I'm very curious, you know, like I'm similar to you where if I go to embark on a task, I go full force and I almost like, it can almost be my detriment because I like doing a lot of things, but I simply don't have enough hours in the day to do everything to a deep enough level that I would really feel comfortable with it. And so uh, I think the footwear reviews are something that I'm curious about in terms of like even just durability or getting a reliable indication from someone when they first use it. And like you said, at a hundred miles um, of just how is this shoe holding up? What do you like? What do you do? What do you not like? And uh, even myself as I'm not even an avid runner, but I would love to hear feedback because as we embark on this sort of journey next year to create utilitarian, very simple, but very high quality, durable, utilitarian footwear, where we want to make the best functional foot protection that lasts for a long time, that's repairable, um, and that we can evolve over time. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts because a lot of that input would be very valuable when we create a shoe that can be used for running. And, you know, I've had this conversation with some people before where they're like, what's a good running shoe? And, you know, the answer I'm starting to give now is any shoe that's good for your foot is good to run it. And, and that really kind of confuses people like, well, no, what, like we need running shoes for running, obviously. And so it, it turns into sort of this conversation where, uh, where did you hear about that? And what do you consider a running shoe? And then it sort of leads into the bigger conversation about cushioning and, and arch support and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think that the mindset that any shoe that you can wear, that's good for the health of your foot and allows optimal foot function is fine for running. If you have the capacity and you're prepared and conditioned enough to do that. And that's sort of the big asterisk where I think a lot of our, uh, some of our content and future for the running community will be focusing on, okay, our take is natural footwear is the best footwear for your body to use its, you know, to optimally use its beautiful mechanics that are designed for running. But here's how you get out of the big built up footwear and you get into a pair of natural footwear uh, without doing damage along the way or with, you know, so that, and it's really more, revolves around almost giving people permission to experiment and getting them attuned to how to listen to their body signals, right? It's not a matter of giving them an exact framework where you do this for X amount of months or X amount of kilometers. It's more, here are some ideas of how you can progress. Here are the big things to remember that are going to be indicators from yourself, which will be unique to you and different for everyone that you're doing too much too soon or that you can proceed further. And here are some accessory things that you can do to make that journey quicker and more effective. And I think uh, that's going to be a really fun sort of uh, framework to be able to put out there for the running community to reduce the intimidation um, of switching to natural footwear, but also to debunk a lot of the, you know, a lot of the bullshit that's going to be fed to them unintentionally most of the time by traditional footwear companies trying to sort of latch on to that market share that they're, you know, as the public becomes better informed, as runners become better informed. And like you said, it seems like there's an innate curiosity and nerdiness to runners where they want to know more. Um, it, and if we can give a vetted and, you know, someone that they trust that they can a relate to and that they can trust knows what they're talking about way beyond just evaluating the product itself, but evaluating how that product is, a, can affect our movement patterns. Uh, that will be a very powerful resource for a lot of people. And if we never abuse that trust um, by just almost 
coding in a set of ethical values of how we plan to do shoe reviews that will never change, um, then that trust will always be there and we'll, we'll simply have more people benefiting from this. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm grateful that you, um, sort of reached out to do that. And, uh, you know, it, it's an extremely, I think, valuable content type for, for TFC. So, um, I look forward to sort of, sort of supporting you along that journey and, uh, making sure that you enjoy the, enjoy the path. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. So that's probably a good way to sort of wrap up. I mean, we briefly spoke and have been speaking about, um, you know, the whole, like I said, we're going through this metamorphosis. There's a big phase shifts happening in our culture and in our institutions. And I think one of those phase shifts uh, that will eventually happen and that we're seeing uh, losing its effectiveness is the the institution of medicine and you know where it started, what it has become, uh, and how we can start to sort of identify the issues and also present solutions. Because I, I'm of the opinion that the only way you're ever allowed to throw stones at something is if you're actually recommending a way to rebuild rebuild whatever you're trying to tear down or whatever you're poking holes in. And so uh, I think it would be great to do a series together talking about the institution of medicine, uh, medical school, just the entire game theory around uh, healthcare right now, because it really is, it seems to have gotten far off track. And, um, you know, if we can just air out sort of what we feel as people that are sort of insiders inside the industry, but can also take a more macro view, um, I think that'd be really fun. So for anyone listening, look out for a series coming up with myself and Mark um, talking about medicine and, and hopefully suggesting some viable solutions. Um, anything to say before we wrap up, Mark? No, no, Nick. I, I, uh, again, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, really always enjoy, always enjoy having a chat with you. And, um, and I really look forward to, to hopefully putting some stuff out there that, um, that will save some people a little bit of time and, and hopefully just uh, generate some interest in, in, in good footwear that's, uh, that's doing right by people. So Awesome. Likewise, always a pleasure chatting. For anyone listening, thanks for your time. Hopefully that um, gave you some constructive input on, on running footwear and made a viable case that natural footwear is, uh, is a better alternative and also, you know, presented some logic behind why that's why we stand by that. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.